Welcome to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin Solomon, Senior Rabbi of Congregation Beth Hillel in Roswell, Georgia. Beth Hillel is one of the largest Messianic Jewish synagogues in the world and provides a place where Jewish people can find the Messiah, Yeshua, Jesus in Hebrew, and retain their Jewishness. It's also where Gentiles worship and embrace the roots of the faith in drawing closer to God. Click the link in the description to support this ministry or to view our YouTube channel. Let's join Rabbi Kevin now as he shares this word from Scripture. I got to tell you, it's interesting. Something weird happened to me over the last few days. I technically just got back from Israel early, early, early yesterday morning. So if I'm a little loopy, please forgive me. And uh, who knows what's going to be in this message? Who knows? I don't even know. Uh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, so I, I was I was working all on this message, and I just felt this is. I'm going to tell you something just straight up exactly way, the way it happened. And I've got some witnesses in my family who, who heard part of this journey during that time. But as I was preparing for today's message, I, was, I kept being drawn to Psalm 139. I was just drawn to Psalm 139, 139, Psalm 139. So I start writing and I, I'm writing the message on Psalm 139. I just pulled the 139. And, I, and honestly, the, the true story is I get it through about 80% of the message, writing about 80% of the message. And I've got 80% of it done. And I'm feeling real good about it. And then I just think to myself, you know, it seems like I've done something on Psalm 139 not too long ago. Uh, and I think, hold on, I, I got to look this up. Because I, I, I thought it's, it, was, it was a different message, it was a different topic, but, but it had Psalm 139 in it. And so I looked, and sure enough, it was last year that I did something on Psalm 139. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I just spent all this time writing a message on Psalm 139, but even though it was a very different message than the last one, you know, scriptures can tell us lots of different things, amen? And, uh, and I thought, oh my gosh, I said, well, and I'm like, oh, I'm really tired after the, the Israel and everything, and I thought, well, oh man, I just did something last year on Psalm 139, I'm going to have to put this one on a shelf, and I'll just pick it up another time, and I guess I'll just start all over and write a new message for, for this weekend, because it was, you know, it was last year I did so, I, you know, I got to give something different, even though it was, it's a very different message, but still with the basis of just how rabbi thinks, or at least this rabbi. And, uh, and so uh, time goes on and I start working and I develop a whole nother message and I get about 75% of the way through the second message for this weekend. I'm not going to give you two, by the way, so don't worry, I'm not going to do two separate messages, you're not going to be here that long. Uh, and so, but I, and it was unusually late for me because I always have, always have my messages done at, at the latest, completed by, by Thursday, of course. I never pull it into Friday, like a couple times ever. But because of the switch, I, it, it worked me into to Friday a little bit. And even though it was just the kind of the final touches on the second message, and then something happened this morning. 
And the moment uh, the news came out about the Supreme Court uh, decision, I thought, oh, okay. Psalm 139, okay. (laughs) It was amazing how it just kind of came back to me. And not that this message is all about the uh, Supreme Court decision and everything going on there. It's not political. That's not, that's not the point. But the moment I heard that this came out, it became clear to me why Psalm 139, everything that's involved in it is for this Shabbat. And so the Lord does speak to us in many different ways. Sometimes we don't understand why. Someone say amen. Amen. Okay, you're with me. I can tell that. Wow. Do you mean the rabbi doesn't even know sometimes what God is doing? That's right. The rabbi doesn't even know sometimes. Hey, that's okay. Hopefully he knows at least periodically, though. That's all I'm saying. In any case, uh, the, the psalm has a lot of different ramifications and points, including some which definitely touch on the issues of this day. That said, the scope of Psalm 139 is even broader than this. It can minister to you and your spirit today no matter where you are at, no matter who you are. And so I want you to take it all in and let the Lord bless you from Psalm 139 today. Friends, I want to tell you something. I don't know if you realize this. You probably know it intellectually, but I want you to feel it today. God cares for you. God cares for you very, very, very much. He sincerely cares about you. You watching online, I don't care if you're watching this 10 years from now. God loves you and cares about you and your life. Completely, and he's very invested in your life, much more than perhaps you realize how invested he is in your life. All the the elements of your life. God is, he's all in, man. He is all in. He is invested in you and your life. He cares about everything that's going on for you. Let's listen to the words of Melech David. Melech David, Psalm 139. Please, we're going to start in verse 1. Let's hear what the psalmist says about how God is and how he relates to us. Man, I want this to encourage you, uplift you, motivate you, uh, encourage you, um, convict you, you name it. This this message has got it for you. If you L-E-T, if you let God speak to you. That was an old Rabbi E-ism, for those of you who remember Rabbi E, who, by the way, Rabbi E had a birthday yesterday. That's right. Rabbi E had a birthday yesterday, and so uh, really good. He, he doesn't much answer his phone. I had to call him all day long until he finally answered his phone. He and I are getting together uh, tomorrow uh, evening for a birthday dinner for him. Uh, and so really good. Also the Robinsons, by the way. The words of King David, Psalm 139, verse 1. For the music director, a psalm of David. Hear what he says. Adonai, David's talking to God. Adonai, you searched me and know me. Whenever I sit down or stand up, you know it. You discern my thinking from afar. Think about this for just a minute. God knows even what we are thinking. Wow, even what we are thinking. Man, I have in my notes, that's intense. That's intense, isn't it? I mean, it's one thing to 
to hear everything that we say, but man, he knows what we are even thinking about. Wow. Now, yes, we have to to take every thought captive, right, unto the obedience of Messiah Yeshua. I talked about that a few months ago. But the fact that he knows everything you're thinking, don't let that discourage you. Some people might say, oh, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, that doesn't make me very happy. God knows everything I'm thinking. Hey, listen, he knows you. He loves you. Let me tell you, on the contrary, God loves you even whilst he knows your most intimate thoughts. Woo, boy, I gotta tell you what, that should actually make you feel good. Not bad. Some people might say, oh man, I don't think I want for God to know everything I'm thinking. Because why? You know, our, our human logic does not apply. Why? Because we might think, oh boy, if God knew everything I was thinking, maybe he wouldn't love me or think so highly of me. I want to tell you something, my friends. He knows everything you're thinking, and he still loves you. He still loves you. Infinitely, infinitely loves you. In spite of any and everything that goes through your mind. Hear what the psalmist says. You discern my thinking from afar. When I, whenever I sit down or stand up, you know it. Wow, the, the depth of his knowing you is even more profound as we think about that. Because it says, whenever you sit down or stand up, God knows it. I mean, what? You, you think about the, the, the detail of that, right? And you think, in Hebrew, we'd say, Mazeh, what's this? Well, I don't even understand. What are you talking about? Does God really care? You know, li- listen, here, here's the point. The, the psalmist specifically says, why is he telling us this? He's trying to send a message to us. He's, he's sending a message to God through his prayer that, that God even knows every time he sits down and stands up. That's, that's just unbelievable. It's unbelievable to me. It's, it's very intense. Some of, my, some of my Jewish brothers and sisters grow up thinking that God is way up there. There's God. He's way up there. He's on a cloud somewhere. And I'm way down here and infrequently do the twain meet. Every once in a while, maybe God has something. But you know, God is not interested in me and my little life. And as long as I don't... My dad used to say, as long as I don't beat anybody over the head with a tire iron, God's not concerned about me. He's, you know, he's let, you know, let them live and whatever and just robbers. Hey, you see, that's, that's the, the typical secular Jewish mindset, honestly. But Psalm 139 paints a very different picture. If you're actually going to read the Word of God and believe what it says, it paints a very profoundly different picture. God knows when you stand up and when you sit down. Wow. Boy, he, he knows you pretty well. That's, that's, that's a depth of knowledge right there. I don't care how well you know your spouse. You don't know every time they stand up and sit down. I don't care how well you know your your parents or your children. You don't know what they're thinking. Not all the time. God does. How well does he know you? He knows you well. 
This is so beyond our comprehension to think, how could God keep track of all that? <laughs> how could God keep track? You know, the hairs of your head are, are numbered, it says in Scripture. How can God possibly pay attention to all these things and keep them besether in order? But, but you know, then I remembered this. It's, it's, such a, it's such a fallacy and it's a, uh, it's a travesty to try to put God in a box. Do you realize that over 100 years ago, no one knew how to fly? No one knew how to fly over just over 100 years ago. No one in the whole world knew how to fly. Think about this. The Apollo computer that landed man on the moon 50 years ago is, an, is outpaced today by an iPhone. An iPhone <laughs> outpaces the Apollo computer that landed man on the moon. I mean, the iPhone. How much so? Not just a little. Today's average new iPhone has 100,000 times the processing power and 7 million times more memory than the Apollo spacecraft that took man to the moon. You think, <laughs> that's, that's mind-boggling, George. George Engineer. That's crazy stuff. 7 million times more memory in this little guy than in the 70-pound computer they had on the Apollo spacecraft. Seven million times more memory. Just over 100 years ago, most Americans had never even seen an automobile. Imagine how amazed today they would be about everything going on in the world. Can you even imagine? Can you fathom? We're talking about 100, some people are 100 years old. And in some people's lifetime. It's, it's astounding. And, and imagine what even the Apollo scientists would say about today's computing power. My, 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 point here, my point here is not to speak of man's great accomplishments. Actually, on the contrary, it's to emphasize the smallness of man's mind. <laughs> you think about it for a minute. Don't limit the power and the abilities of the creator of the universe. He can do the calculations. He knows every time I stand up and sit down, does he really keep track? Yeah, he can do the calculations. That seems astronomical to us with billions of people in the world. How could, how could any being keep track of these kinds of things? Oh, yeah, he can keep track of it. It's not, even, it's not even difficult. That's so beyond us, isn't it? You know, that's so... But, but the, the point here that's being conveyed is the intimate level in which he knows you. And, by the way, cares for you. What does it say in the next verse? Verse 3. David says to God, You observe my journeying and my resting. And you are familiar with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, Adonai, you know all about it. <laughs> Man, that is intense. Even before the word is on my tongue, God, you know all about it. <laughs> Man, God knows when we travel, God knows when we sleep. He also knows what we're going to say before we even say it. Wow. That's how well your creator knows you. That's how, 
how much your creator cares about you, that he knows you on that level. He knows you on that level, on a personal, personal level. He knows even what you're going to say before you say it. John chapter 4, uh, we'll come back to Psalm 139. It reminds me of the story in the New Covenant when Yeshua is asking for water from the Samaritan woman. Many of you know this story. In John chapter 4, verse 16, yeah, so Yeshua is having this dialogue with this Samaritan woman asking for water, and, but then he tells her, verse 16, go call your husband and then come back here. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Yeshua tells her, You've said it right, I have no husband. For you've had five husbands, and the man you have now isn't your husband. This you've spoken truthfully. Sir, the woman tells him, I see that you're a prophet. <laughs> That's a great response, isn't it? It's like, oh, whoa, hey, okay. Boy, this, this guy knows. Mo, sir, I see that you're a prophet. Uh-huh, yeah, oh, yeah, you're definitely a prophet, and more. Uh-huh. Skipping on down, what does, what does she say when she meets the town folk? Verse 28. So the woman left her water jar and went back to the town. She tells the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. He couldn't be the Messiah, could he? Yes, he could, actually. Yes, he could. But you think about that, man. Well, she was freaked out, clearly. She was freaked out. Now, Yeshua knows everything about her. For sure, including what isn't good, including what isn't good. See, and that, and that could make you pause for just a minute and think, gee, God knows all my actions and all my thoughts, even the bad ones. And I say, that's true. It is true. He knows all your thoughts, all your actions. Yes, even the bad ones. However, what did Yeshua say to her knowing all the bad things she had done? You see, this is the key in understanding about how God uses this intimate knowledge of you and I. Because God does know all this stuff. He knows what you're going to say. He knows what you're thinking. Yes, even some of the bad stuff. And so instead of feeling self-condemned and like, oh, I'm just not worthy of anything and God couldn't care about me because... He, he knows what I'm thinking. It's not always good. No, no, no. He knew what, what, the, what was going on with a woman who, who was clearly not in a, a good place spiritually. Let's say that nicely. But what did he say to her? Let's go back in, in John chapter 4. Let's go back to verse 10. Yeshua replied to her, knowing this. Remember, knowing, knowing everything about this woman. He said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Whoa. Skip to verse 13. Yeshua replied to her, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again from the well. But whoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never be thirsty. The water that I give him will become a fountain of water within him springing up to eternal life. 
See, here's the point, my friends. Even though Yeshua knew everything that she had done, he still offers her the living water, the Maim Chaim, that comes from him. Think about this for just a minute. This should make you excited on the inside. This should make you kind of jump on the inside. This should make you feel a little bit good on the inside. Because this relates to David's psalm, Psalm 139. Yes, God knows everything about you, but even while knowing everything, everything about you, he still offers you the living water that comes from him to eternally quench your thirst. Even while knowing all that about you, he still loves you so much that he's offering you the living water. Even knowing everything to supply you everything that you ever need. That's how intimately he knows you. The psalmist continues. Back to Psalm 139 in verse 5. What does, what does David say to the Lord? David says, you hemmed me in behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. God has hemmed you in Behind and before. God has him. Hear that, brother and sister. Some of you need to hear that. You need to receive it into your spirit regarding your day-to-day walk. God has hemmed you in, hemmed you in. Behind and before. Beloved, realize that God has covered your past and your future. He has covered you. He's got you covered. He has spared you from much and will seek to take care of you. If he knows, if God knows what's around the corner, then he certainly can be trusted. I mean, doesn't that make sense? I don't know what's around the corner. I got to proceed with great caution. I don't know what's around, but I know somebody who knows what's around the corner. That's God. And God can be trusted. You can trust in him. He knows you and he knows what's before you. He's hemmed you in. He, he's he's got you. He's got you in a pocket. He's got you, I think, of like a, a kangaroo's pouch. It's kind of weird. But he, you know, you know, there's a little uh, what do they call them? Joey's? You know, they they're having a good time. Mama's taking care of them. You ever seen a kangaroo kick? It ain't pretty. You don't want to be on the wrong side of a kangaroo kick. Am I speaking from personal experience? No. (laughs) You know, so much of life comes down to trusting in the Lord. Amen? See, and trusting in the Lord does not mean, trusting in the Lord does not mean it will always turn out the way that I want for it to turn out. Trusting in God doesn't mean that, well, I, I really, I, I, need a, I, need a, I need a new Mercedes, Lord, and that's, I'm going to trust in you for it. I'm going to trust in you for that new Mercedes. And it's like, well, okay, Chevrolet. Okay, well, <laughs> it doesn't always turn out exactly the way that I might want it to, right? The, 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 the point is, is that you've got to trust him, period. No buts, no parentheses, no ifs. You got to trust in him. He's hemmed you in. You understand, trusting in the Lord means that we know 
that he knows the future and has us hemmed in behind and before us. Part of this is why the psalmist then describes this as knowledge that is too lofty for him to attain. I love the, the, the humility of the psalmist. Don't you, Cameron? That really blesses me. We're talking about King David. I mean, he, he come on. If anybody's going to understand stuff, it's going to be King David. And yet he says, I, I, can't, I can't get this. It's too much for me. I can't even get it. I don't know about you, but every once in a while, there's part of the Word of God that, man, it's just, I don't quite get. But aren't you the rabbi? Yes, I'm the rabbi. Y'all, come on. Relative to the infiniteness, the infinity that is God and his knowledge and wisdom, come on. All of us are scratching the surface, y'all. That's okay, and that's okay. But, but we got to scratch. <laughs> we got to scratch, right? But the psalmist is like, man, I don't even understand that, how you, you know everything and, and, and you've got me hemmed in and whoo, boy. And then verse 7, what does, what does the psalmist say? Where can I go from your ruach? Where can I flee from your presence? You see how that relates to the song, Damien? Nothing can separate us from the love of God that you guys sang. That's what the psalmist is saying. Where can I go from your ruach, from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? Friends, even in your darkest moment, the ruach hakodesh is there. The Holy Spirit of God is there, even in your darkest moment, even the hardest times that you have. The Ruach is there. Where can I escape? You can't escape God, the Spirit of God. As a side note, my Jewish brother or sister, here in the Hebrew Scriptures, right? We're talking about the Tanakh. This is King David. This is in the Psalms. You read about the Ruach, the Spirit of God. Some Jewish people erroneously think, oh, the, the Messianic Jews and Christians, they worship three gods, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, three gods. We Jews have the Shema. We sing the Shema every, every Shabbat, right? We worship one God. The, the Messianics and the Christians, they worship three gods. Now, it's a misunderstanding. Can we see right here in the Tanakh explicitly King David is saying, where can I go, God, from your spirit? Okay, we, we see here it's one God, but God has a spirit. Very Jewish principle, very biblical principle, amen? And then we skip down to verse 13, Psalm 139, verse 13. Now you, understand, now you will understand why it was clear that 139 had to be part of the Shabbat service. So then what does the psalmist say? King David says, God, he says to God, for you have created my conscience. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am awesomely, wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and my soul knows that very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw me when I was unformed, and in your book were written the days that were formed, when not one of them had come to be. Whoa. Beloved, God knows you so well that he knew you even before you were formed. 
That's how well God knows you. Even before you were formed, what is being expressed here is that God knows you in the most personal of ways. The most personal of ways. He gets you. Even if no one else in the world gets you, God gets you. Some of you need to hear that. Even if nobody else in the whole world gets you, God gets you. I hope he gets my jokes. <laughs> Sometimes there's no one else in the world. Like right then. <laughs> yeah, God knows us. In addition, my friends, can it, be, can it not be more clear there are few scriptures more clearly pro-life than these. Amen? It is God who knit you together in your mother's womb. God knew you before you were even formed. Understand the ramifications of these verses. Multiple times here, in this passage, multiple times, David refers to himself as a person, even while unborn. He didn't say, God, you knew me once I was born. No, it was before he was born. Beloved, this is so interesting and, and, and how this all kind of came together. A lot of people obviously have been praying for this day to come. I... In case you wonder, let me answer the question. God is pro-life. <laughs> How about that for subtle? <laughs> and it completely fits the narrative of how much God cares for us at the deepest level. I want to share with you a few other scriptures that are going to be important for you to, to have, to know, and to hold, especially since our country is surely about to go through some tsuris. It's about to go through it, y'all, with, with everything that's going on. But you need to hold on to what the Word of God teaches us and tells us. So, and, and perhaps for some of you even watching online can relate. Isaiah chapter 49, please. Isaiah 49. This all relates to how much God loves us and he cares for us and he pays attention to even the small details of our life and he knows us so well. The psalmist says that he even knew before we were born exactly what was gonna happen. Whew. That's amazing. Listen to this, so, uh, Isaiah 49 verse one. It says, listen to me, islands. Pay attention, peoples far away. Adonai called me from the womb. From my mother's belly, he named me. It's interesting, as this refers to the Isaiah the prophet is prophesying this, some say this is Isaiah speaking. Most think this is a messianic prophecy referring to the Messiah. Regardless, my friends, we see the verses, implications regarding life in the womb. In the womb. Verse 5, in fact, there in Isaiah, says that God formed him from the womb to be God's servant. What does all this mean? Remember, 
Yeshua was all God, but he was all man also. God has a calling on each of our lives, even from the womb. There's a calling on our lives, even from the womb, my friends. If we weren't a person, how could God have a calling on us then? Think about that. If we weren't a person already in the womb, how could God have a calling on us yet then? In the womb, there's a calling and a name from God. Wow. It's interesting. If you look even at Luke chapter 1, when when Yochanan the Immerser was in the womb and Yeshua was in the womb, when, when Miriam came in, the Scripture says that John the Immerser jumped with joy in the womb when he was near Yeshua. Joy, by the way, is a human emotion. That's what it says explicitly, Jeremiah chapter 1. Listen to what God told Yermiahu, Jeremiah the prophet. Powerful words here, my friends. You need to understand. Mm. Powerful day today. Jeremiah 1 verse 5. God told Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you prophet to the nations. Before you were born, I set you apart. Unquestionably, friends, do you see how this flows? Unquestionably, God knows us intimately, even from when we are in the womb. But beloved, this is extremely consistent with everything else that we have read in Psalm 139. The whole psalm, Psalm 139, is talking about how much God knows us. He knows you so well. Remember, he knows your past, your future. He knows what you're going to say even before you say it. He knows when you sit down. He knows when you get up. The whole psalm is talking about how much God knows you. And then it's extended even further. To, but it just makes sense. It goes along with the whole narrative. He knew you even when you were in your mother's womb. He knew you before. Remarkable. <laughs> Remarkable. So in this season, friends, we have to know the truth. The truth is, God is pro-life. At the same time, my friends, we have to have compassion on those who do not have the understanding of the importance of life in the same way that we do. Because their point of reference is different. And we must show them love. We should never come at people who, who don't have as their reference point the word of God with hate. Never, never come at them with hate. We have to come at them with love, with the understanding that God has blessed us with some insights from his word that, that necessarily uh, paints our perspective on things and gives us a revelation that we can see the truth. But at the same time, some people who are not looking at it from that point of reference, we have to look upon them with compassion. We must show love to those who have had abortions. Many who've had abortions are filled with great regret, my friends. God forgives and loves. So must we. Why? 
because God knows our most inward thoughts too. He knows where we sometimes fall short also. Man, but this is the beauty of God. This is his might and majesty that he loves us too, knowing everything, and yet he loves us. Do you see the full picture here? Oh my gosh. Let's conclude with Psalm 139, verse 17. King David really says it and, and sums it up right, really. He says, How precious are your thoughts, O God. How great is the sum of them. How can God know us so well, so intimately, and still love us so much? He knows us so much better than even we know ourselves. So, friends, Chavarim, if you've struggled and if you've wondered if God notices, if God notices you, if God notices what you're going through, He does. And He loves and cares for you. If you've wondered if God can love you given what you've done, He does. He loves and cares for you. If you've been unsure, if God notices the little things, or if God has your back, He does. He loves and cares for you. He created you. Trust in Him. The title of my message is, He Knows You. Let's bow our heads. Oh, thank you, Abba. I want to ask if there's anybody here who's never said a prayer to receive Yeshua into your heart. If you've never given your life to God, but you'd like to today, wherever you are, just raise your hand and we'll have a simple prayer. If you've never said a prayer to receive your Messiah, but you want to today, raise your hand and we'll pray together. Is there anyone? Maybe you're watching online and have never given your life to God. Repeat this simple prayer after me and God will change you. But Rabbi, you don't know the things I've done. God does, and he still offers you his love, his living water, his salvation. Because he loves you. Say this simple prayer, and God will change you on the inside. Dear God, I humble myself before you. I ask Yeshua to come into my heart. I believe he's risen again, sitting at your right hand. Please forgive me, God. I'm sorry for the things I've done. I'll live the rest of my days for you. Thank you, God, in Yeshua's name. If you said that prayer for the first time, please send us an email if you're watching online or listening on podcast. We want to celebrate with you. And if you're here today and you said that prayer, make sure you see me after the service. I just want to celebrate with you. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to pray for each and every person who's here today and those watching. 
Lord, how much you know us so intimately. Sometimes we feel very alone. We can be in a crowd and still feel very alone because it feels sometimes like nobody gets us. You may feel like nobody ever gets you. Lord, I pray for each and every person who's here today and watching, listening. I pray, God, that they know that they know that they know what your psalmist said in Psalm 139. That yes, you know our inmost thoughts. You know what we're going to say and is on our tongue even before we say it. And yet you've hemmed us in before us and behind us. On both sides, on each side of us, you've taken care of us, Lord. You're watching out for us. You love us. No matter what circumstances we're in, no matter what it is that we've done, God, I pray today for anybody who has done bad stuff in their lives and who who remains condemned and the adversary, Hasatan, just lords it over their head. Maybe you've done something really bad in your life or something that is not right in the eyes of the Lord. Maybe it's something big, maybe it's something small, but it's been held over your head. Maybe you've had trauma in your life. Maybe you've gone through an abortion and you're, and you're hurt by it still. Oh, the Lord loves you. The Lord wants to forgive you and to take you into his arms. He knows that none of us are perfect. He just cares for you. He wants you to turn to him because he's the answer. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. I pray you're ministering to each person here and to those watching. Lord, that you'd be with us, God, that you just speak to us, that you help us. You, Lord, if we feel alone, Lord, God, just touch us, God. Anyone who feels alone, touch them. Let them feel your presence. Let them know how well you know them and how much you got them. Thank you, O Abba. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Rabbi Kevin. Please like, subscribe, and share this link with a friend. We would be grateful to receive your tax-deductible gift to further the good news of Messiah Yeshua. To make a contribution, please click on the PayPal link in the description. Also, to view our regular services, click the link in the description for our YouTube channel. If you would like more information about Yeshua the Messiah or how you can become part of our Bethlehem family, please visit our website at www.bethlehem.org. That's B-E-T-H-H-A-L-L-E-L.org, or call. 770-641-3000. If you are in the metro Atlanta area, please visit us for an Arab Shabbat service, Friday nights at 8 o'clock, or Shabbat services, Saturday mornings at 11. God bless and Shalom. Nine, 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 nine.